Hey everybody, this is Tommy Miller. I'm the senior pastor at Legacy Church. We're really excited that you decided to join our podcast this morning. Our intention is to give you the information and the resources that you need to bring heaven to earth by walking in the fullness of your identity and your destiny. Enjoy the sermon, enjoy your day, be blessed, and do what Jesus did. I want to share something uh, short with you. Uh, I told you I'd cut my message short because we had some really important stuff to take care of this morning. But I, I want to talk about the DNA of Heaven's leadership. Heaven's leadership is nothing like the world's leadership. It's not based on CEOs and structures. It's based on fathers and families. There's a mandate that turns our hearts back to one another in covenant relationship that has nothing to do with agreement, nothing to do with similarities, nothing to do with what we're for or what we're against. It has to do with the commitment that we've made to one another to never leave and to never forsake. And when you realize that the body of Christ is no longer to appease you, it's actually for you to serve, then things change. You won't have to hop out of a church because you're no longer being fed. You'll be recognized as the unique expression of Christ that you are in that body. And you'll be able to function and serve in such a way. The thing I want to talk about this morning is, is developing the Father's DNA towards leadership, okay? How many of you um, have ever, uh, hmm, never mind. I don't have a good one for that. Go to Galatians chapter four, verse 19. So Paul did a tremendous job demonstrating heaven's DNA towards leadership. He referred to his disciples as sons and daughters. Do you realize that that's a really awkward thing to do in the New Testament? Sometimes we're too formal. We don't like to recognize that we can have a covenant relationship with somebody that is not our biology. But when you're willing to take responsibility for someone's future and destiny, then you're willing to be hurt by them and for them to make sure that they get where they're going. And I don't know of any nursing mother that ever looked at their child and said, okay, that's enough. Quit taking from me. Because that's what Paul compared himself to when he stepped into fatherhood as part of the body of Christ. There was a moment when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt and they got to the promised land. When they got to the promised land, guess what stopped? I know this is wild, but provision stopped when they grew up. All through the wilderness, they were given bread, they were given water. They get to the promised land, they said, God, there's no food. He said, shut up and make some. He said, why do the children of Israel cry to me? You're in the promise now. Start generating something for yourself. You are now not just made in his image. You're literally divinely infused with him. You don't have to pray to him. You can pray with him and create as he creates. But when it comes to leadership in the church, there are spiritual babes. The Bible refers to that word. I hate that word because I don't like the, the process of sanctification. Um, the set process of sanctification is a myth, but you are only able to express what has been revealed to you. 
So there's a group of people that are responsible to feed you revelation so that you can step into identity and destiny. And messy things happen along the way. How many of you know that to be true? So this is what Paul says in Galatians 4. He says, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. The word labor in the Greek language only had one definition. Okay, this is, this is one of the things that makes it distinct from the English language. In the English language, we, we have the word pain, right? It means it hurts. Our, our term pain is so general that when you go to the hospital, they have to give you a scale, right? Is it a zero or is it a 10? Okay, the Greek language isn't like that. There is a different word for pain for every level of pain. And the most intense form of pain is labor pain. And that is the only time that you are allowed to use that word is if you have experienced the undrugged birth of a natural child. Okay? So Paul steps into this place and says, I'm willing to labor in repetition until Christ is formed in you. That means I don't care how many times you shoot me, how many times you hit me, how many times you disappoint me, how many times you run out on me. Until Christ is formed with you, I'm your dad. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I've taken responsibility for your identity and destiny. I don't care what it costs. As a matter of fact, my name could be blotted out from the book of life, and I will not turn my back on you. That's heaven's DNA for leadership. So many times we're looked at as disposable or expendable when we don't come into agreement or we don't do the right thing. If you can't be used to build an empire, then you're no longer significant. That's Satanism. That's not kingdom. Paul says, I would gladly labor again. That means, the word literally means oscillatory repetition. I would feel the natural pain of childbirth over and over and over and over again until Christ is formed in you. And then just like Jesus does, he makes a distinction between true fathers and counterfeits. He says, they zealously court you, but for no good. Do you know what courting is? Courting is the phase of the relationship where you decide whether or not you'll commit. How many of you know there's no courting in the kingdom? You're in or you're out. Counterfeit leaders court. You can tweet that. Is Twitter a thing still? Am I going to have to say you can TikTok that soon? <laughs> Counterfeit leaders court. He says, they'll zealously court you, but for no, no good. They want to exclude you so that you would be zealous for them. Do you see the picture? Have you ever been in a church where the pastor's this untouchable sage that knows more than you? That's not how you produce an ever-increasing kingdom. They have to create a floor for you that is their ceiling. The reason that we continually fall in an ever-increasing kingdom is because we want to create constant need for ourselves. We're not confident in our disciples being more fruitful than we are because we're afraid of being replaced. Here's the deal. In the kingdom, you can't be replaced because you're not a positional leader. You're a manifest son. I tell our leaders all the time, listen, this is the most comfortable environment that you can ever be in. You can't be replaced. 
If we've established somebody as a leader over an area, I, I told, like, just as an example, I use Shanda as an example. I say, if Chris Tomlin walked in here, he would, he would be in subjection to you. Because talent doesn't make you positionally qualified. Right? You're a unique expression of who you are. You can't be replaced just because somebody more gifted comes in. It's not about gifting. It's not about offices. It's not about anointing. It's about identity. And your identity is something that only you carry. Only you now, only you throughout all of history. So when these leaders tried to exclude people, they were just trying to create this hero gap between they and their disciples so that the disciples always were looking at them with wonder, like, ooh, I wonder what it's like to spend time with them. They put their pants on one leg at a time. They struggle day in and day out, just like you do. But we keep going. And transparency and vulnerability in the kingdom is the way forward. If there is a hero gap between you and your spiritual father, and he's not able to say, listen, my, my wife and I received training from people that told us to never be friends with your congregation. They said they'll take what they know about you and use it against you, and they, they, will, they will lose respect for you if you're honest. And then I had this really big issue, <laughs> really big issue between that teaching and Jesus saying, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends, because I tell you everything. There's no secrets in an authentic family, right? Do you have bad days? Shame on you, believe, do better. Like, that is the most dismissive language that you could ever use. Jesus came out from praying and said, guys, I seriously need you to stand with me. It's a tough day, right? And they didn't say, well, maybe he can't lead us. Maybe he's not solid. Maybe he's not sturdy. Maybe we can't count on him. He never said any of those things. They actually fell back asleep. And guess what? Listen, leaders, listen. He didn't disqualify them because they slept either. I told my wife all the time. I told her this morning, actually. I, she, she could tell by the look on my face that I had like 17 messages in my head and was having one of those days. And she, she said, I prayed for you. I forget if you asked, like, what do you need? I said, I want to be separate and pure. And she just wrote back, you are. And, and she literally pacified the kind word made the anxious heart well. But there was transparency and vulnerability, right? You see a look on the pastor's face, and you're like, hey, you okay? He's like, yep, sure am. And he starts talking to you like a used car salesman, gives you the fake right hand. Yep. Yep, nothing bad happens to me. No, that's not how this works. We're a family being conformed in the image of the beloved son, and only through transparency and vulnerability can we step into these things. Right? Amen. Mm. I could go a long time, but I won't. Okay. Paul, Paul did a tremendous job in communicating the heart of heaven's heart for leadership. As a matter of fact, he talked about very few things as often as he talked about how to raise spiritual sons. He just got done saying, I will go through the pain over and over and over until I see Christ formed in you. That means that's an expected part of the process. 
When you take responsibility for the body of Christ, expect knives in your back. Please. Right? Expect the body of Christ. There's people in the body of Christ. I don't know if you knew that or not. Right? People with big opinions. People with big passions. People with different views. Those things cannot define whether or not we're one. Right? You and I are, are we're, we're made perfect in the beloved together. That means my opinion, your opinion, no matter which one's right or wrong, doesn't separate us from being one. Being one is always more important than being right. You with me? Okay, this is the last passage. And again, I, I really I wanted to continue with the commissioning of the, the ministry team, but I wanted, as a matter of fact, funny, uh, maybe not funny, it's taken me nine months to put this team together because I couldn't figure it out. I was looking to, to segregate them into different callings and establish different leaders, and God was just like, take their leash off. Let them run. You'll find out who they are. So that's what we did. We just let them loose. Now you're all in trouble. <laughs> the only thing that we had to spot is do they love the body and have they been tested? And if that answer is a yes and this is their heart, and they feel that they're called to an office or a responsibility like this, then let them run. Paul said, I'll gladly go through the pain. And you can ask anybody that has stepped into leadership in the last two years how intentional I am about talking about how much this tower costs. Transparency, vulnerability, here it comes. When you're part of a body that recognizes identity over position and you realize that everyone is irreplaceable, losing people hurts so bad. Okay? Expect it. Okay, I wish it would go away. You should expect differences. You should expect trouble. You should expect trials. You should expect arguments. You should expect offense. You should expect disagreements. If you think that the body of Christ is void of those things, you're absolutely wrong. What is present in the body of Christ is unity despite those things. Okay? The Bible says that there is unity in the spirit, and that needs preserved. It doesn't need created. That means we remember that we're one in the spirit and not let the sensual things divide us. Preserve it. It doesn't need created. It's already there. Okay, do you want to see what that looks like? I started this conversation with you 10 minutes ago and forgot where I was going. So here's the rest of it. I told my wife I want to be separate and I want to be pure. And as I was thinking about what that means, this is what that means. When John leaned up against Jesus' chest and said, show me the one that's going to betray you. That's intimacy. And then Jesus walked up to his disciple that was about to betray him, the one that they knew was a thief, and they still let him be in charge of the money bag. And do you know who the first person he walked up to with a loaf of bread was? Guys, listen. Hear me, please. Because Jesus knew from prophetic utterance that Judas was already going to turn on him and he walked up to him and his invitation was, this is my body, broken for you. I'll gladly spend and be spent for your soul. I would have it that I would be blotted out from the book of life that my betrayers may be saved. 
That's the Father's heart. I can't say the heart of the Father anymore because of Chris Gore. It doesn't sound near as cool when you're not from New Zealand. Heart of the Father. Again. I, it almost comes out, and then I'm like, i got to switch it because I'm going to be compared to excellence, and I can't, I can't measure up. I can't say it like a, like a kiwi. Okay, last passage, then, then we're baptizing, folks, okay? 2 Corinthians, verse 11. I just want to show you Paul's heart. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? Me too. Are they the seed of Abraham? I got them. Are they ministers of Christ? Then he says, I speak as a fool. I'm more. Listen. Hmm. Paul's about to tell you the laundry list of things that he's been through at the hands of the church. Or for the good of the church. Okay? He says, in labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently, I've died often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I got beaten with rods. One time I got stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I was in the deep. I was in journeys often. I was in perils of water. I was in perils of robbers. I was in perils of my own countrymen. I was in perils of Gentiles. Perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in thirst, in fastings, in coldness, and in nakedness, in the thing that hurts the most, the thing that comes upon me daily, is my love for the church. For real, like, get perspective. This is what the church cost this man, okay? This isn't what the gospel cost this man. No, no, no. The gospel was freely given to him. Paul could have gone to his grandma's basement, played Nintendo Switch, and wrote it out and made it. But instead, Paul decided that Jesus had a bride worth dying for. Mm. Is this good? Okay. I told you. I told you I'd quit but I lied. Ready? <laughs> Last thing, I promise. Acts chapter 20, 25 through 28, and then I might be done. It says, Indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, ready? Take heed to yourselves, and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer, a father, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Okay, does this put things in perspective? Right, so now we just, saw, we just saw what Paul is willing to pay, but now we see why Paul is willing to pay it because of the value that he sees established on the body of Christ. The body of Christ possesses the value of the blood of Jesus, every last one of them. And he's saying that it's important that you take heed yourselves. Check yourself. Because the Holy Spirit made you an overseer of an extremely expensive entity. They possess the value of the blood of Jesus. 
Amen. Would you stand with me? Okay, so you just watched our ministry team be commissioned to minister to this body. I would like to invite any of the rest of you that want to take responsibility for this body, this city, that are going to, to renew your focus. This, that's what this morning's about. Renew your focus on laying down your life for the body of Christ. Not using the gospel to get what you want, but using the gospel to give people what they need. Right? I know we've talked about this before. No, no statement has, has given, has brought more questions to me than this, okay? Jesus never, ever made the gospel about the afterlife. Not a single time. If the gospel was about the afterlife, then ignorance is the most important thing that you can possess. Right? Because we talk about the age of accountability, and once you know, now you've got to listen, and all this stupid stuff. That's not, a, that's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is about life, and life to the full. Okay? So you're carrying the answer to people's anxiety. You're carrying the answer to people's depression. You're carrying what can save somebody from swallowing a bullet. You're carrying what can keep somebody from putting the needle in their arm. You have it in you. What price are you willing to pay to make sure that it gets to them? Because it's going to be painful. It's going to be costly. It might get you nothing in return. But you have to establish that the bride of Christ is worth it. She was purchased with his own blood. And now you're willing to spend and be spent to make sure that those people get what he paid for. Amen? Amen. If that's you this morning, just hold your hands out refocus. How many of you ever just became selfish with the gospel? You didn't realize it happened over the course of a couple years, but you're like, man, I made this whole deal about me. Yep, I've done it. I've done it more than once. But if this is the morning that you're going to refocus, you're going to awaken that evangelism fire in your heart, put your hands out. I want to pray over you and commission you as well. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this moment that we get to see Legacy Church just explode with new believers, new growth. Father, bring in, oh man, bring in the ones that you want. Bring in the ones that like, were like me and Shanda, the dangerous ones, scary ones, Father. Let the other churches be afraid to come hang with us. Father, we thank you, Lord. We ask that you look upon every heart right now that's turned towards you, that you look at every life that's being offered as a living sacrifice this morning. As they say, use me, yes, use me. Father, we ask that you endue them with power from on high. They are separating themselves unto your purpose. They are separating themselves to purity, and they are separating themselves to your service. And I ask right now.